In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I almost just went right into the homily there, because uh, that, that prepares us, right? We're on a journey. We have an end goal. If we're just on a journey for the sake of a journey, it becomes tedious. But the question always comes up, even by the youngest among us, are we there yet? <laughs> you know, in the consciousness of even a child, they know you get in the car for a purpose. It's not just going around the block. It's going to a particular place. And we see in our readings today, in fact, in our whole liturgical atmosphere in this season that we're in, is that we are on a journey. And this reading from the Gospel of Mark is interesting because it starts off very much like the prologue of John's Gospel, at least the words are the same right at the beginning. And like John's Gospel, it starts off from Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning. And this says, in the beginning, or the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then we see this journey laid out for us in the figures that become the pillars, in a way, of Advent. Isaiah the prophet, who is talking about preparing the way of the Lord. And then who is the one who immediately prepares the way for the Lord? But John the Baptist, who's a very colorful character, an unforgettable character. If you met John the Baptist, you would not forget him. You probably wouldn't forget the smell, wearing these skins on his body. And you probably wouldn't, if you sat down to a meal with him, you wouldn't forget his diet. Locust and wild honey. And what he's doing is such a contrast to our Lord. What he's doing is going out into a barren place and drawing people out to hear his message and then preparing their hearts through a message of repentance that the Lord is coming. And then when Jesus comes, John the Baptist exemplifies one of the key elements, the indispensable elements of discipleship. And what is that? It's humility. I've said over and over again, stealing from St. Thomas Aquinas, that humility is above everything else the love of the truth. It's loving the truth. So when John the Baptist acknowledges Jesus' role, one mightier than I has come, whose sandals I am not fit to untie, he's simply acknowledging the truth. He knows who he's preparing the way for. And yet in this whole story, which is the story of our Lord's baptism, we see the humility displayed not just by John the Baptist, but even by Jesus himself. Because he submits himself to the Lord, uh, to, to John, for baptism. He who needs no baptism. He does not need to repent of sin because he hasn't sinned. And yet he says, let it be now as an example to others. And not only is it the Baptist that acknowledges the truth, humility, not only is it Jesus who acknowledges the truth, humility, 
but it's the entire Trinity. You see, in this passage, we have the heavens torn open, the descent of the Holy Spirit, and the voice of the Father, and the presence of the Son authorizing the Son. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. I also want to allude to one other interesting fact that's kind of embedded in this, but we might not think about it. But when it describes the heavens being opened up, what this reminds us of, or actually the phrase that's used is torn open. What it reminds us of is not just this event that takes place at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, This is, now he will be baptized, he'll go into the desert to suffer the temptations of Satan, and then he will begin his three and a half year ministry, public ministry. But remember that at the end of his ministry, when he's sacrificed on the cross, this phrase, torn open, or rent asunder, is used again in the scriptures. Think for a moment where you hear that, in the midst of the passion of our Lord. It's in the temple. The veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies place where the Shekinah glory of God rests. It says that the veil is rent in twain, rent asunder from top to bottom. It's interesting that it says from top to bottom too because it is God who removes the separation between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. And both of these uses of the term, the heavens opening up and God declaring, this is my beloved Son, and the description of the temple being rent in twain are meant to tell us something about what the coming of Christ is about. It is to break down the barrier of separation between us and God, which is sin. That's the purpose of Christ's coming. That's the end goal of the journey, is that we might have access to God once again. That the thing that separates us from God, our sin, will be obliterated. It will be removed from us precisely by the sacrifice of the one who makes possible this access to the Eternal Father. There are so many images that we find in the scriptures and more in a more pronounced way in the entire season of Advent that are designed to help us on this journey. We have a, a little bit less of, um, in terms of the calendar, uh, this this Advent because uh, Christmas will will happen on uh, Christmas Eve will happen on Sunday on the Sunday what would normally have been the fourth Sunday of Advent will go right into the celebration of the Nativity of the Lord that's going to be a busy weekend be very gentle with your priests that weekend right because they've got all of those masses and all of those confessions that are that are going on. But we really can look to that to pull us through the remainders of these days of Advent. So you know, you've heard over and over again, that Advent is a time of preparation. 
we need to think about what we're being prepared for. Because if we keep our eye on the goal of the journey, it will tug us, it will draw us to it. And what the it is in this context is exactly what the Gospel of Mark is telling us. It is the person of Jesus Christ who enters the human condition as one of us. Not from the outside, but from within. It's more precise, it's more theologically precise to say, not that God comes into human history, but that God breaks out of human history. Because he is born of a virgin, born in the circumstance of deprivation, of poverty, of limitation. And from that little discreet place in Bethlehem, in that even more discreet place, not even in an inn, but in a stable, the radiance of God's glory shines forth and discloses himself to the world, and in disclosing himself to the world, is telling us that he wants us to be one with him. That's what we are preparing for now. So let us do that with renewed vigor, with renewed dedication, with renewed commitment, so that when the great celebration of the Nativity of the Lord is upon us, we might enter, it, enter into it with a sense of knowledge and a sense of having completed a journey that even uncomfortable at times, like being in the social hall of our parish is uncomfortable at times, nonetheless will bring forth from us a great sense of joy and awareness of the enormity of the gift that God gives us in his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.